We run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Then get them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Blender's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Listening to the show Flat Black Plastic on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm not the one 
woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head didn't hurt and the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad so I had one more for dessert Then I fumbled through my closet for my clothes and found my cleanest dirty shirt And I shaved my face and combed my hair and stumbled down the stairs to meet the day I'd smoked my brain the night before on cigarettes and songs that I'd been picking But I lit my first and watched a small kid cussing at a can that he was kicking Then I crossed the empty street Caught the Sunday smell of someone frying chicken And it took me back to something That I'd lost somehow, somewhere along the way On the Sunday morning sidewalks Wishing, Lord, that I was stoned Something in a Sunday Makes a body feel alone And there's nothing short of dying Half as lonesome as the sound On the sleeping city sidewalks Sunday morning coming down In the park I saw a daddy With a laughing little girl Who he was swinging And I stopped beside a Sunday school And listened to the song that they were singing Then I headed back for home And somewhere far away A lonely bell was ringing And it echoed through the canyons Like the disappearing dreams of yesterday On the Sunday morning sidewalk Wishing love Sunday morning coming down
Hey folks, this is a flat black plastic show on Mutiny Radio. FM. Uh-huh. 
I know you want to get in my business first before I tell you what I got to tell you, so I might as well tell you, yes, whatever it is, yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like young men. If that's what you want to know. Go like them as long as I live. When I die, it'll be plenty of time for old men. Or they've been dead, so I'll be just getting eaten. Still go with Brooks Benton. That's still my dependent. I love that man. You know what he said to me this morning? He said, Mom, won't you wash the dishes? I said, I'm gonna wash the dishes. But first, I'm gonna look at TV. Lazy, he called me. Damn right I'm lazy. I'm as lazy as I can be. He said, Mom, won't you get up? I said, man, why don't you shut up? I'm trying to get myself together, can't you see? He said, you ain't nothing but lazy. I said, that just goes to show you you are crazy. I'm just as drunk as I can be. <laughs> Baby, my rent's paid, I got it made. Ain't no need to be working hard now. The thing that books has got to understand that I've done the best that I can. If you don't understand, I ain't gonna work no more, no harm. I said, Brook, let our love last forever. He said, oh, it'll last forever as long as you've got security. He said, otherwise, I'd be crazy. And he means don't crazy. He said, he's as crazy as he could be. Well, I guess he would. Cause he told me I wasn't nothing to look at. Not much to see. Just barely living and damn lucky to be. <laughs> so you got nerve to want somebody that looks good as me? Say, ha, oh, it's funny that way. I say, books, you can take every dollar. I don't care if you take every cent. Only thing I ask you, honey, is please pay the rent. Cause I got a landlord, don't give a damn about you, know me. And he's nasty that way. <laughs> but I can't stop loving Ain't no need me lying. Because a good young man Look like the world's gone crazy. Everybody's nuts. He is. Man went to the psychiatrist the other day, and the psychiatrist says, what's the matter with you? He said, what's the matter with you? He said, I guess the same thing's wrong with you. I don't know. Ain't nobody thinking right. I just got back from Cuba. I had to go down there. John had me to go down there, you know. 
Christ, if I could do anything with that fool, you know, because we had all them boats out there in the water, and if he was fixing to get ruined, you know. <laughs> and Khrushchev was laughing at him. Laughing at him, he done sent him three, four firecrackers, and he gonna point them at us. <laughs> and we done made him think that the Korean War was a lawn party. <laughs> I went down there and said, come here, fool, ain't you got no sense at all? You may send them firecrackers over there where they come from and, they, and be yourself. I ain't never seen such a fool in my life. I'd be known like men with beard. <laughs> I can't stand Mr. Miller. I'm telling you, with them beard on, I think he's that man. I ain't never seen such a fool in my life. Everybody just in their own situation. I went down, trying to get something to eat last night, coming back to the village. Woman to stand up there by a post crying. I never seen a woman cry so hard. I went over to her, I said, What's the matter? She said, What are you crying like that? But she said, I'm crying because I'm so ugly. <laughs> I said, Well, I think you're a nice looking woman. Said, I'm a man. <laughs> One of the gay boys jumped off the room or something. He was laying down there dying. The doctor rushed over to him, you know, and the policeman rushed up, looked down at him and says, do you want me to tell your folks anything before you die? Do you have any message you want to tell your folks? He said, yeah. Say, will you please go up on the roof and tell my daddy I told him fairies can't fly. When Jesse James first started holding up people, you know, trains and things like that, he was kind of scared, you know? His first job, he's already jumped on the train, that pistol said, all right, stick him up, just as nervous and shaking. He said, I'm going to kiss all the men and rob all the women. <laughs> Old maid jumped up and said, you mean you're going to rob all the men and kiss all the women? A little gay boy jumped up and said, will you please let this man rob this train like you do? Back from Cuba, I don't know, that food or something didn't agree with me, I got sick. Went to Harlem Hospital, they didn't help me much. <laughs> they got a sign up in Harlem Hospital to read, do your cutting on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and avoid the weekend rush. some good doctors over there, though, and then they got some that's a mess on it. I'm dead, don't know nothing. Don't know what they're doing. Man was over there six months with the yellow jaundice before they found out he was a Chinaman.
thought I had all the crosses I had red cross red shield blue shield blue cross and I didn't get nothing but double cross <laughs> them big ducks <laughs> them big doctors passed by me and looked at me like I was crazy ain't give me nothing and I done paid up all them crosses <laughs> I left there. I didn't care if I was sick. I left. I just left. Did you ever see so many buildings going up and so, so, so people can't get apartments here in New York? Baby, a man walking all over town looking for apartments. He said, well, I believe I'm going to Bronx. Across the 155th Street Bridge, looked down the water in the Harlem River there, and there was, there was a man drowning. Man hollering, help, help, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. He said, what's your name? He said, ain't no guy by name, man, I'm drowning, help. He said, what's your name, man? He said, my name is Henry Smith. Help, help. He said, where you live? He said, I live at 172 Amsterdam Avenue. He said, help. He said, what's the problem? He said, oh, man, I live at a point for 26. He said, thank you, bye. Apartment knocked on the door. Man said, Who is it? She opened the door. So I came out to the apartment. Man looked at her, What apartment? Said, That's this apartment. Said, you can't get this apartment. I don't know why the man did. I just saw him drown over there in the Harlem River. The man did. He said, I know. I'm the one that pushed him in there. to a 50th wedding anniversary. I started not to go because I can't stand to be around old people. <laughs> you know, I just can't understand them saving my life. I don't like to be around them that are contagious or something. I don't know what it is. I didn't want to go, but I've known them quite a while. You know, they was older than me. Anytime anybody's older than me, just just old. <laughs> but clean. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't want to go, I really didn't. They had the anniversary, you know, and invited these two sons. Sons live in some cities, I don't know where's that. Anyway, they didn't come. Do you know they sent them a telegram when one of the boys didn't come? Didn't answer the telegram, didn't write no letters. Didn't send no presents. And about a month later, here they come home with a whole, whole lot of jive. Well, Dad and Mother, I'm glad to see you. We couldn't get here for your anniversary, you know. We're very busy, you know. And uh, the old man said, oh, that's all right. I'm glad you're here when you came. He said, because uh, I got something important to tell you. Say, you know, your mother and I never was married. <laughs> they said, what? <laughs> Dad, do you know what that makes us? He said, yes, and a cheap one at that. Everybody say, have last night. Or have be our bed busted in a pan, and the room was just full of smoke. There'd be my man, all right, stick them up. 
But you know one thing? I believe in giving people a chance, you know, when they when they get in trouble and things like that. I don't believe in being too hard on like not giving them no job and things. I think if they want to work, you don't know what they're going to do right now, not unless you try them, is you? And this fella, he got out of trouble, went downtown, tried to get him a job in the factory. He's steel, you know. <laughs> Let's face it, I mean, he's just steel. He went down there and talked to the man, your man said, well, I believe he wants to do right. So he gave him a job, but the watchman kept his eye on him. He went out to work and worked that evening after the bell rung. Watchman said, all right, what you got in the wheelbarrow? He said, nothing, but an empty wheelbarrow, that's all I've got. He looked in there and said, okay, go ahead. Next evening, the same thing. All right, wait a minute, you. What you got in the wheelbarrow? He said, nothing. I ain't got nothing in the wheelbarrow but them to wheelbarrow. That's all. You got something. I'm just searching him. You ain't been here all this time and they stole nothing. I know. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, it went on. That went on for about a month. That man like the word himself to death. That watchman like they went crazy. He come by, the fella come by that evening and say, hey man, what you got in that wheelbarrow? He said, oh man, I ain't got nothing in there but empty wheelbarrow. That's all I told you. He said, man, ain't no need. I'm going to search you. I've done everything. I can't catch you, but you are stealing. I know you done stole something. Can't nobody tell me you're going to be here a month and not steal nothing. See, you worried me to death, man. I, I ain't gonna tell the cop, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't gonna tell the boss, I ain't gonna tell the I'll give you $10, but you just tell me to get me out of this suspense, what are you stealing? He said, you really wanna know? He said, yeah, I really wanna know. He said, wheelbarrow. <laughs> Thank you.
people, you're listening to the Flat Black Plastic Show on MutinyRadio.fm. Well, if you stop the machine, we'll stop. Go around. 
One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. Now go, cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoes. You can do anything but lay off of my blue suede shoes. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face, slander my name all over the place, and do anything that you want to do. But, uh-uh, honey, lay off. Everybody make me have some fun 
this a rock a strictly to the nation When we call off a dot to sing your radio station Say him rock rock Roger, say him really really tall And him rock him to say him really really small We won't get together and we nice up she all And when we take a stop even the real can't fall off Battle and Roger are gonna talk right Baby, when the music is so fine, you gotta rock me all the time. 
jam with my little git fiddle Long tall mic with the bass in the middle Ball on the drums, so ready to go A fat little Roy on the piano We're rocking up the storm tonight Well, we're rocking up the storm tonight Well, we're rocking and rocking Rocking and rocking Rocking up the storm tonight Well, the rhythm man blues All that jazz Rocking and rolling to drive me mad We're rocking up the storm tonight Woo! Rocking up the storm tonight Well, we're rocking and rocking Rocking and rocking I'm gonna rock with you We're rockin' up a song tonight Woo! Rockin' up a song tonight Well, I'm rockin' and I'm rockin' We're rockin' up a song a great and wasted friend of mine in the hallway of a recording studio and while he was reciting some poetry to me that he'd written I saw that he was about a step away from dying and I couldn't help but wonder why and uh, the lines of this song occurred to me I'm happy to say he's no longer wasted he's got him a good woman And I'd like to dedicate this to John and June who helped show me how to beat the devil. It was wintertime in Nashville, down on Music City Road. And I was looking for a place to get myself out of the cold. To warm the frozen feeling that was eating at my soul keep the chilly wind off my guitar my thirsty wanted whiskey my hunger needed beans but it'd been a month of payday since I'd heard that eagle scream so with a stomach full of empty and a pocket full of dreams I left my pride and stepped inside a bar actually I guess you'd call it a tavern Cigarette smoke to the ceiling and sawdust on the floor. Friendly shadows. I saw that there was just one old man sitting at the bar. And in the mirror I could see him checking me and my guitar. And he turned and said, come up here, boy, and show us what you are. I said, I'm dry. And he bought me a beer. He nodded at my guitar and said, it's a tough life, ain't it? I just looked at him. He said, you ain't making any money, are you? 
said, you've been reading my mail. He just smiled and said, let me see that guitar. I got something you ought to hear. Then he laid it on me. If you waste your time talking to the people who don't listen to the things that you are saying, who do you think's gonna hear? And if you should die explaining how the things that they complain about are things they could be changing, who do you think's gonna care? There were other lonely singers in a world turned deaf and blind who were crucified for what they tried to show. And their voices have been scattered by the swirling winds of time cause the truth remains that no one wants to know. Well, the old man was a stranger, but I'd heard his song before. Back when failure had me locked out on the wrong side of the door. When no one stood behind me but my shadow on the floor. And lonesome was more than a state of mind. You see, the devil haunts a hungry man. If you don't want to join him, you gotta beat him. I ain't saying I beat the devil, but I drank his beer for nothing. Then I stole his song. And you still can hear me singing to the people who don't listen to the things that I am saying, praying someone's gonna hear. And I guess I'll die explaining how the things that they complain about are things they could change, hoping someone's gonna care. I was born a lonely singer and I'm bound to die the same, but I've got to feed the hunger in my soul. And if I never have a nickel, I won't ever die ashamed, cause I don't believe that no one wants to know.
gentlemen, we're on this Bessie Smith series, and with Max Roach, Paul West, and Wenton Kelly, I'd like to do one of Bessie's most soulful tunes. It's called the Backwater Blues. When it rains five days And the skies turn black as night Well, when it rains five days And the skies turn black as night You know there's trouble in the lowlands And everything Well, I woke up this morning Couldn't even get out of my door Yeah, yeah, yeah I woke up this morning Couldn't even get out of my door There was enough trouble To make a poor girl wonder where she are Pack my clothes. 
Hey folks, you got Flat Black Plastic on MutinyRadio.fm. this record to learn how to speak hip from a record man that is the squarest thing i ever heard of i mean wow but look so like you bought it you must need it so that was a smart move you know what i mean or something <clears throat> hello there and welcome to the exciting world of hip oh, just relax baby me and this other cat we're going to straighten you out this is a new departure in language instruction for english-speaking people who want to talk to and be understood by jazz musicians hipsters beatniks juvenile delinquents and the criminal fringe what time is it i gotta make a phone call Shh. 
The twilight world of the American hipster is an important American subculture with a language all its own. To enable you to speak this language of hip exactly like the hipsters themselves, we've provided an actual hipster to teach you the correct pronunciation and delivery of his language. Ray. Ladies and gentlemen, your instructor, Mr. Geets Romo. Look, this is going to be a long session, man. Let's head out for some pizza or something. Eh? Uh, Mr. Romo, would you speak into the microphone, please? I just want to say this. Into the microphone, please. I just want to say this a wonderful thing, uh, what you're doing, you know? Uh, so the public can pick up on what's happening, like, you know? Straighten everybody out and let them know where this whole other scene is, where it's at. You know, so everybody will stop coming on all the time. And then we'll get, you know, world peace. Lesson one, basic hip. Basic to hip is the concept of digging, to dig. Mr. Geets Romo, how would you define dig? Well, you know, man, like when you dig something. <laughs> well, yes, but... Well, dig, baby. It's like, you know, when you dig some chick or some cat. You know, when you pick up on something, you dig it, you dig? To dig, then, would mean to like, to understand, or to appreciate. Dig. It's like... No, it's more like uh, in music, you dig? You know what is a quarter tone? Like, you get a note in there between C and C sharp, and that's its own sound, you know? I mean, you can't call it C because it isn't. That's like dig. Dig means dig. Like if you don't dig and you say dig, I dig where you're at. Like on the wrong cat, it's the wrong word. Dig? <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, now you begin to see one of our problems with the hip language. Each hip word or phrase carries with it an implication of the speaker's background and his involvement in hip society. In other words, the phrase, I dig, not only means I understand, but I am a special sort of person who understands in a very special way. Yeah, that is exactly what I said. In other words, I'm saying, I am hip. Dig yourself, baby. You got a way to go. Lesson two, vocabulary building. No doubt some of the expressions Mr. Romo has just used are unfamiliar to you. Let's examine some of these phrases more closely. Mr. Geets Romo, your instructor, will pronounce a series of hip words and phrases. After each one, there will be a pause so that you can repeat the phrase aloud. Mr. Romo. Dig. Dig it. Dig yourself, baby. Dig the chick. Dig the cat. Dig the shades on the cat so that you can repeat the phrase aloud. Mr. Romo. Dig. Dig it. Dig yourself, baby. Dig the chick. Dig the cat. Dig the shades on the cat. Yeah, that's where it's at. Dig. Squares. What a drag. What a bring down. Later for that, man. Forget it. Greetings and farewells. Greetings. Hey, do you have any idea how boring this must be? Oh, what a drag. Please, Mr. Romo, just read your little list. Oh, man. Hey, what's happening, baby? What's shaking, man? Hey, there you go. Hey. And farewells. Hey, I'm gonna split. This is a drag. I'm gonna cut. You got eyes to split? Let's make it. You're going uptown, I got wheels. Wanna ride? My shorts outside. Hey, we're gonna get in the wind. Later. In the pad. Oh, we tell him to stop beating that gong, man. It's a drag. It's very hard on the nerves. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Rome. Uh, Charlie. All right. The gong. Do, oh, please, my words. Uh, 
In the pad. No. I would dig to pick up on some sounds. Turn on the box. Put on some sides. Hey man, get in the horn, call some freaky people, and we'll have a scene. Oh, we'll have a scene. Hey man, this is all wrong. Who can learn anything with all these words out of the, out of there where they're supposed to be, you know? Dig the cat, see the cat run, dig geats, read. Anyway, man, you left out a very important thing about the pad. Well, what, what, what is that, Mr. Romo? Well, dig. One thing that makes a pad different from an apartment is that every pad has a stash. A stash? Is, is that anything like a bidet? Yeah, well, that would make a good stash. But what uh, exactly is a... Uh, well, a stash... A stash is a secret place where you can put what you got from the man so the man who thinks you shouldn't have it won't sneak up on the scene and take it away. You know, and you with it. Ah. Is there any other differentiating factor? Yeah, man, things. Things, Mr. Romo? Yeah, you find most of your pads are going to have things in them. What kind of things? Well, head things. You know, weird things. You know, like a weirdness is inherent in a good thing. Some people have string things. Yards and yards of string going all over, or Dixie cup things, or, or maybe it's a box of lights that flashes at you, I don't know. I, I know this one cat. He has this ultraviolet ray ozone thing, you know, shoots sparks all over, and it's a gas. Some people have frogs, or Mexican statues, or eyes, or anything, anything that they have, that's a thing. What do you use these things for? But to get hung up on. If it doesn't hang you up, it doesn't make it as a thing. You sit there, and you dig it. And maybe you get up. Uh, and maybe you get up inside it. And maybe it reaches out and grabs you. And it's weird, man. Dealing with a thing could be a very beautiful experience. It could crack your brain. Some people have things hung all over their beds so they can dig them before they fall out. And that could be very comforting. But that's another thing. And this is very important. You fall out in your pad. Now, it's very uncool to fall out in somebody else's pad, man. You can nod in somebody else's pad. Nod, that's like a very hip nap. Uh, yeah, you can nod there, you know, if it's a cool friend and if you're tight with him. But you don't want cats to fall out on you. Because sometimes they're there for days and you scream split and they don't even hear you. You have to keep stepping over them and they hang up the bathroom and it's a stone drag, believe me. It can be very dangerous to fall out someplace where you don't know the cats too well. Because then you're helpless and you're an easy victim. I know this one cat, he fell out in some freaks, you know. And when he came up, he was tattooed from head to foot with an editorial from the New Republic. Very dangerous to fall out. The Loose Wig. One interesting fact about the hip language seems to be that quite often you'll say one thing when you mean exactly the opposite. For example, you will use words such as crazy or nutty to indicate approval. Right. Like you take a very freaked out chick. If she grooves, and if she's got something happening for her, you say, that chick is insane. What you mean is like she's a, uh, what do you call it? You know, a, a good person. Hmm. Uh, would you say the hipster's preoccupation with insanity would indicate a rejection, or at least a deep questioning, of the traditional separation of normal and abnormal sanity and insanity? In other words, a deliberate reassessment and reevaluation of the bourgeois standards of morality and uh, tradition? No, no, no. I, I wouldn't say that. No, I would never say that, man. Dig, say you're talking about this cat. Say he's a musician, and he, and he really makes it, you dig? I mean, he's into something, he's free, and he swings. Then you say, that cat has got a loose wig. Because it's very important to work on your brains. Smash your brains, you know, crack them, yeah? That's when it can start happening for you. Hmm, I see. St. Teresa once used the phrase, breaking the mind's barriers. Indeed she did, and that's very hip. St. Teresa swings, so does St. John of the Cross. I mean, you know, the Spanish one. But dig, 
You see all these cats running around desperately afraid they're gonna flip, you know? And they're running around holding themselves together with scotch tape and chicken wire and 18 martinis for lunch. Uh, juice heads are the lowest, man. And they're all afraid they're gonna crack and explode all over their friends. And it'll be very messy and embarrassing. And they're gonna blow their gig at the agency and, uh, and the finance company is gonna come and repossess the children and it's gonna be the end of the world, you know. Uh, much hipper just to relax and flip. You know, groove with it. You know, you, you, you begin to go, you know, and you, you, you spew, you spew the, 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 the immortal, the ever word pudding. You know, you can chew the scenery, you can run around, you can, you can wail upon yourself, dragging uh, yourself round and round and about inside your own head. You never move, you sit there quiet, your face, your face in a complete smiling groove, and internally, you're on the loose wig. You're go, ah, yes, it's a, I dig it, ah, it's too much, too much, ah, yeah, yeah. Are you all right, Mr. Romo? Yeah, I'm straight. Hey, you don't look so hot, though, I swear. <laughs> you did give me a, a bad moment or two there, I must admit. I'll get you a glass of water, huh? Now, dig, baby, was that so bad? The sky did not darken, nay, the earth did not open. Everything's a groove. You ought to flip out once, Jim. Then at least you wouldn't have that to worry about anymore. Dig, once you get used to it, insanity can be the most normal thing in the world, you know? The Riff. The hipster's life is strongly influenced by jazz music. Much, if not most, of the hip vocabulary originated with jazz musicians. Isn't that right, Mr. Romo? Yes, that's right. Uh, it's true. Now take, for example, the riff, the conversational riff, which is a spoken counterpart of the jazz riff, which is an instrumental solo improvised around a set of chords or upon a given theme. Oh, my. Mr. Romo, I wonder if here in the studio you couldn't give us an example of a riff well, I, have, I, I think I could do better than give you an example, which would be me saying this is what I heard uh, at a very great expense to myself uh, from an aspect of my cool, because everyone has a limited supply of cool, and uh, it's very easy to blow it. And oh, I have done something which could have blown all my cool. I have taken uh, that little microcorder thing you gave me, that tiny little machine, and I have bring you in-person riffs people from various parties uh, and uh, you know things were scenes were going on like last week at the feast of the Saturday night uh, delightful pudding which we call it like you have to call something something more than what it is in order to make it more appealing because you say uh, fine Mr. Romo yeah. thank you very much I uh, you'd take it. in the in the control booth there would you run the tape yeah there is this cat man a very far out cat like he had weird ideas couldn't stop his head you know he was hip, he was in some kind of genius, but dig. Like this cat was such an out genius that the thing he was a genius at hadn't been invented yet. So what does he do? He decides he's going to be the world's most esoteric concert promoter, you think? He gets these enormous posters printed up and he puts them all over town and they say, he is coming. And people look at the posters and they say, oh, that, uh, wow. Well, like it's difficult to arouse anybody's interest in it. Then about a week and a half later, new post-its go up. Big ones, brighter ones. They shine at night and says, he is coming to Carnegie Hall. And then a little later, he is coming to Carnegie Hall on October 23rd. And now people are hung up. They're beginning to get fascinated. Tickets are selling. Then there's a gigantic full-page ad in the New York Times. He is coming tonight. Crowds now, they've begun to mill out in front. And there are these posters 20 feet high that say, in old English script, he is here. Now people are jammed. They're standing remotely, 8.45. There's this hush of expectancy. The house lights dim. They take too long to dim. Little hangar. 
then the curtain rises. In the middle of the stage is this gigantic sign. Then he has gone. Cigarette ashes have a tendency to fall in it, you know. I, I sweep them up and I throw them out. Ah, uh, I don't believe that I interfere with the tone of the violin when it's in use. And when they're playing it, I, uh, I pick a harmonic resonant frequency and I hum. I like to think I add to the tone. They have to move you to a dwelling of similar rent, condition, district. Like they couldn't put me in a trombone, you know. A cello, maybe, or a bass. <laughs> Except that's kind of silly, you know, one guy living in the bass. Maybe I could live in one of those, uh, what do you call those oriental things? Those triangular banjos. They do condemn the old fiddle here. I think I put in for about a like. Thank you. I'm sending up a spaceship on a translunar orbit, you know. And he sent up this astronaut, man. And he's been hanging around Cape Canaveral a long time. And he gets his shot, you know. Boom, he can go. And uh, they also send up a laboratory animal along with him to test the radiation and the Van Allen radiation belts and the cosmic rays and the genetic uh, unpleasantness and that whole business. And uh, so they decide to send along this frog because they could cut him up afterwards, you know. And they're in orbit for 63 days, man. The man and the frog. And they come back and they land. Perfect landing, man. Beautiful in the Utah salt flats. Everything is happening marvelous. And the country goes wild. That pandemonium breaks loose. There's citations and congratulations from every country and there's Parades, there's a ticker tape parade up uh, Fifth Avenue in New York, and everybody's flipping out, man. There's uh, pictures of the cat on the, and the frog on the cover of uh, Time and Newsweek and U.S. News and World Report and Life magazine. And to top it all off, they're booked on the Sullivan Show. So it's the night of the show. And Senor Wences does his bit, and he splits, and the spot comes on, and out comes the astronaut, and he's carrying this frog. And Sullivan becomes very effusive and congratulatory on the whole scene and the medals and the ribbons and the ring ding and the uh, this heroic man and this heroic frog all alone in space for 63 days. I know the kids in the audience would uh, dig to get a closer look at this little fella and he reaches for the frog man and the astronaut flips. Get your hands off my frog. <laughs> <laughs> 